Hello, and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. In this podcast, we're looking at technology in the fashion industry and its potential to transform that industry's contribution to global carbon emissions and to pollution. With me to discuss that is Jenny Holloway, Chief Executive of Fashion Enter Limited. Jenny Holloway, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me, Gavin. I'm looking forward to having words with you. So let's start with the size of the problem. How much does the fashion industry contribute to global carbon emissions? Well, there's lots of statistics out there, which obviously I can't verify. But one of the consistent uh, statistics that is announced is that we are the second dirty polluter on the planet uh, as we transfer yarns, garments around the world to, to make garments and then they're imported into the UK. And then there's lots of um, articles with regards to uh, they're called the white dead man's clothes that then they get shipped over to Ghana and you see all these horrendous images of mountains of clothes that are being left and dumped. You know, it's very sad to see. And it's also true that the fashion industry is quite an, an intense user of water. Um, we talk about the uh, use of chemicals and, and, and so on. Can you tell us a little bit about about the industry and therefore uh, how it's using some of these resources and, and therefore potentially producing pollution and, and other things? Well, the actual size of the market is awesome. It's £54.78 billion pounds worth of trade, and that's from um, Statista. And it is actually forecast to keep on growing. So it's going to be grow by uh, £10.8 billion by 2026. And within those processes, traditionally, there's been a lot of use of water. Uh, that could be the dyeing of the, the garments, uh, the actual creation of the fabric, and then it's washed, so it's got a softer handle. Um, and, and I think one of the statistics that isn't known is that the cost of um, a £30 purchase in the UK is an average £20 return back to that brand or retailer. You know, that is the the shocking cost of overproduction. So um, that, that's actually from a source, NRF, Roland Berger. So 27% of the cost of the return then goes into landfill. So this is why we're such a dirty polluter. We are making too many garments. So we've chased the pound to the lowest common denominator around the world. You know, we, we had a fantastic industry of made in the UK in the 70s and 80s, where Marks and Spencer used to proudly proclaim that 94% of all their garments were made in the UK. And now they, you know, the forecasting techniques that are used i.e. we're going to make 20,000 garments and we're going to make them in six months' time delivery. It's all gone. You know, you cannot make to that anymore. And that's why we're becoming um, a dirty polluter with an estimated £140 million worth of clothing going to landfill in the UK every single year. And that's a source from RAP. So it's very much about changing our technologies for the future. So let's uh, let's look at some of that. And obviously, some of those problems could be addressed by us, the public, changing our buying habits, either purchasing less or buying more secondhand uh, and buying from more sustainable fabrics. Um, but as you say, technology has a real role to play here. Uh, and one of those technological developments is using sort of high-tech equipment to produce 
individual pieces of clothing on demand. Can you talk us through this sort of technology a little bit? What is it? How does it work? Traditionally, factories will work on bulk orders. So I would say three years ago, an average order that we may receive may be anywhere between four or 5,000 garments. Today, the average order is more likely to be six to 800 units. Okay, so we're beginning to see a traditional reduction in quantities. But even that is still forecasting. Um, There's still an element of guesswork within there. So at the moment where we are in Haringey, we have two modes of technology. Uh, We have a traditional where we are making around 500 garments per order. But what we're moving to at a rapid rate of knots is a one-piece flow or made-to-demand order system. Recently, we've been approved by Amazon to become a direct fulfiller for them, which was um, a very big undertaking. You know, it took us about six months to be become a full vendor approval. But the idea eventually will be that Fashionent will be in a position in Haringey that we'll be able to receive individual orders on software that we're using from a company called Corneet. And we will transfer those orders into printed pattern pieces. We then take the printed pattern pieces and we use Zun Technology, which is a Swiss company, to cut out those garments. So in the morning, uh, our ladies can come in, pick up their bundles of work, and they will be making one piece flow. And this will be to demand. So these are sales that have been created. We're not guessing anymore. And the technology that we're using um, is Presto and also um, Atlas. Presto can print one meter of fabric or it can meet or it can print 20,000 meters of fabric. And it's pretty awesome to see, Gavin. You know, it, it is wonderful technology that you can print on multi-surfaces, i.e., you don't have to do sublimation, for example. We can use a variety of different of different um, fabrics and we can print onto each individual order. And To have that technology alone on very kind pigment inks means that they're less harmful to the planet. But also, we don't use water during this process. We only use the water to clean the print heads. And as a result of that, it's one of the most economical and clean printers in the world today. And how does it square up in terms of cost compared with traditional manufacturing? It's going to be more expensive from the point of view that we're doing one piece flow. So when you do a pattern, you do graded nest um, of patterns, all that work in design. We we estimate that to make one sample, it's about £300 by the time you refitted it on twirls. By a taxi, etc. While all that is while all all that is going on, that, that is a huge cost. So what the retailer is failing to see, however, is we're not talking about intake margin here. We're talking about exit margin. So instead of having 500 garments and a third of those goes on to 25% discount and then 50% discount, we, we are making sales to order and the price is in there. So I think the time has got to come where the traditional times three or times 2.8 margin has got to be reviewed by the retailer and they need to work with the factories because the factories have got the power to make those sales a reality. 
So what has been the industry interest uh, in this technology, both in the UK and, and, and overseas? Well, I think we are the only company in the UK at the moment that has invested so much time and energy and created uh, an amazing space for this new technology. So we are literally end to end. In addition to the actual printing and the cutting of the fabric, we've also um, invested in software such as Optitex and Gerber, whereby we can virtually design the garment without making a sample. So again, that's really adding to sustainability. Mm. I don't think the retailers are aligned with us yet. I think we've been very brave, very stupid, whichever way you'd like to look at that, to go out on a limb to be innovative. And I think I'm an ex-senior buyer from Arcadia Group and also an ex-senior, uh, I'm a selector from Marks and Spencers. And I, and I, I think it's... I think it's telling that Amazon is an American company and they've flown over twice to approve us as a full vendor. And yet our own UK manuf- uh, retailers are behind the curve. And I think it's disappointing. ASOS a couple of years ago worked with us on the Cornet technology um, and credit to them for, for being ahead of the game. But we now need that momentum to make this truly work. And is this likely to be driven by online sales presumably it is so it, it, it isn't it's a different model to going into a shop and seeing a whole range of garments it's more like looking online getting precisely what you want clicking a button and having it delivered to you um is that why for example amazon are more potentially more interested in it i think uh, it's easier online for sure but Who's not to say there's a hybrid coming? You know, there, there needs to be a bit of a shake-up in retail. I totally agree that there are so many potential avenues of new sales for retailers. But wouldn't it be great if there's a retailer out there that thought, you know what we can do? We can, we'll have like a, a closed cafe idea whereby they go in, the customer can go in, they can look online. And actually, they could create bespoke garments online and they could wait now, I would say at the moment we're two to three weeks from you know, orders coming in for orders going out. But as we um, perfect the technologies, as we perfect our internal systems, I think we could do this in two to three days. I'm really confident that we can. And I think that the next step then should be that we're a fulfillment centre. And it doesn't go into national distribution centres of the retailers. It actually goes direct to the customer. So just imagine that if you were... Mr. Marks and Spencers, you know, and you're going into your local branch and you want something special, you could start designing your own garment there at the the Internet Cafe. And then you'd be able to have that garment delivered to you five days later. I mean, it would just be fantastic. And that technology is here. And I find it quite incredulous that um, as a social enterprise, you know, we're not for profit and we're here for, for the, the better good of the industry and the learners that we serve because we're an academy for technical skills. You know, it, it shouldn't take Fashion Enter to, to go out on a limb to do this. We should have done this in partnership. And I'm hoping that will definitely happen with Amazon and hopefully other retailers in the future. And I guess this question of price and risk and change of behaviour is a little bit chicken and egg. You need somebody to go out and, and prove that it's going to work. But do you think that the sort of the scale up in in the way that this is delivered will bring the ability for a one piece model, uh, the price 
to a point where people will actually pay for it? It's, that's a really good question. I think that uh, what we need is a very brave sea level in an organisation. Right? We need somebody that thinks we cannot carry on with this uh, model of buying any further and we need to handpick two or three uh, factories that will work with us. You know, we, we should be joined at the hip. We should be looking at the sales, not weekly, but every single day. You know, what's on trend? What can we bring to the mix? We should be um, looking at eight key styles, having them all ready with grades, uh, fabrics, and then selection of prints and we can turn that around incredibly quickly for that retailer so they're going to be in a position whereby they can actually go straight to demand for for their orders we've got to become that pull model so we we should be listening to what the customer's saying and supplying them rather than leaving these incredibly difficult decisions of what to buy and when and what color and Mm. what's going to be the latest fabric because it's the whole world has changed since covid It's, it's a major step change well let me ask you about a different area of technology you've talked about fabrics of of course and one area where technology can help transform the industry is in new fabrics, perhaps ones that take less energy and less water to create. How's the technology developing in that sort of area? We recently did a project. Um, I've got a, a girlfriend called Jean, who I've probably known for the best part of 30 years, and she's a shepherdess in Wales. And I went to see her two years ago, and I saw these rotting fleeces in a corner, and I was horrified. Um, to which she then said that it cost her pound fifty to take the fleeces off, and she got 90p from the British Wool Board, which I thought was pretty scandalous in itself. And it is these uh, yarns, these fibres that could become yarns for wool that we must be looking at now. Now, we, we've got to invest in um, our own economy. We were very fortunate that we had a small grant from Smart Cymru, and we took um, various fleeces, and um, there's a... Um, a wool board that is uh, graders in Newtown in Wales. So we took a, we took about three different qualities of fleece. We got them spun, which was a nightmare in itself to do because there's no spinners left. We did find literally a woman with a spinning um, a spinning wheel, and we then combined that that short fibre wool uh, and we combined it with PET and SNR synthetic nylon rummage. And we did actually create a new yarn. And this was incredibly exciting because everybody, but everybody told us it couldn't be done. And sometimes it just needs industry and a common sense approach to push out those barriers. And the more we can use natural fibres that obviously will um, will, will rot into the ground, that, that they are going to be able to reduce our uh, landfill, etc. Like we have to do this research into these areas. Well, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was recycling and fabric recycling and whether there's a role for technology in increasing both the amount and the effectiveness of recycling for fabrics and clothes after they've worn out. So I'm not talking about reselling secondhand. I'm actually talking about yeah. things that have worn out. Uh, well, that's interesting because this week we've actually got a, a recycle and upcycle workshop that's on at the moment. And I do think that 
uh, we can see a decrease in sales for new garments, especially by Gen Z. So Gen Z are much more aware of, of climate, uh, carbon emissions and, and what we're doing to our planet. And without any vocational skills in stitching or pattern making, you know, they are making their own garments. And we've just had um, a small amount of funding from the Fashion Impact Fund. And we've been inundated. We could only have 25 places. It's on, as I said, literally now until um, Thursday. And this just shows where consumers are. You know, they they are being more mindful. They are repairing. They are taking pre-loved garments and putting jeans into shorts and long sleeve dresses into short sleeve dresses and whilst you know from us from a manufacturing perspective it makes it difficult I actually applaud that that is the way to go which is why we're putting on these um, free classes. And do you think that part of the problem as with several industries is the fact that the that the cost of emissions and the cost of pollution aren't really included in the wider cost seen by the manufacturer and the consumer uh, and that actually if regulation was to change slightly so that there was a sort of a full impact cost within the fashion industry that some of these technologies and some of these habits would change a bit faster oh definitely i, I think there is a lack of education that is taking place um, and i think it's a confusing landscape you know whilst that's why I said early on, you know, the one statistic that keeps coming up is that we're the second dirty polluter. And then there's lots of greenwashing out there at the moment by, you know, all kinds of retailers and brands. And I think that lack of transparency is an issue for the whole of the industry. But this will change because there's an end producer responsibility that is coming within our industry. They're, they're looking at a, a, a fashion adjudicator as well. So there's not going to be coercion on the, the workforce to make garments at unethical rates of pay. And when that end produce responsibility uh, comes through, then the retailer is going to be responsible for the end of life of that garment. So, you know, we, we've really got some work to do. And, and that sort of uh, new legislation is only probably two two years away maximum. It's already in France. It's already in certain states in the United States. So there's there's going to be some pretty heavy work that's required here. Well, let's finish off then and look forward positively. So if we say 10 years from now, where on the one hand, we've had some of this new legislation, and on the other hand, we've had new sort of technology coming on board and, and so on. How do you think the fashion industry could be transformed within a decade or so to sort of reduce its environmental impact? I would like to look at that make to demand concept where you know the, the instant gratification of buying something that arrives next day is actually depleted somewhat, you know, that people have got realistic aims and that they are prepared to pay a fair price. Like a garment doesn't have to be expensive, but it should also shouldn't be dirt cheap where you can buy a garment for five pounds or or ten pounds dresses i mean it, it, it's impossible to make that at a fair price in my book and i am a manufacturer that has got an ethical code of conduct i think the landscape should also be that garments are made from audited factories you know there's two lots of audits that are very 
very important within our industry that's a fast forward audit and there's a, a SEDEX audit and we are the only factory in the UK with the leading status in the fast forward audit and you know, why why wouldn't you want to make in an environment that is saving jobs in the local economy that is having a, a fair wage for people who are working realistic hours like it, it doesn't have to be this constant profiteering and I think if if I was a customer in 10 years time, whether that be in a shop or online, if it was in a shop, I would like to go into a body scanner. So my measurements are as accurate as they can be. I'd like to select a fabric that is right for a style that I want to make. I would like to then design it with a V-neck or long sleeve and whatever length that may be. And then I'd like to think that within five working days that garment would arrive and that garment is for me and it's for me to keep and I'm prepared to pay a bit more money because it's unique uh, and I then know I've actually saved jobs within the, the UK as well mm. and if it was online then you design online you know there's more and more people that I meet um, especially as you sort of get on in years where bodies aren't conventional size 12s 14 16 so now, there are key points, the bust, waist, three hip measurements, and you can design online, you know, start dragging across a V-neck and puff sleeves or whatever you may want. So I think we stop this mass consumerization and really respect fabrics and garments that are made to last. Interesting. Well, we'll have to see in the next 10 years how that does take forward, but it would be fantastic to see that movement and therefore the reduction in the environmental impact of uh, of fashion. That's all we've got time for today. But uh, Jenny Holloway, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Gavin. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Jenny Holloway, Chief Executive of Fashion Enter Limited. Information about the Foundation for Science and Technology can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk. There you'll find details of all our events, all our blogs, our journals, and all previous editions of this podcast. Until the next time, goodbye.